Welcome to Ag Credit Set It. In each episode, our hosts sit down with experts from all parts of the agriculture industry to bring you insights and must-have information on all things from farming to finances and everything in between. We're here for another great episode of Ag Credit Set It. I'm Phil Young. Alongside me today is Libby Wickstead. Hey, Libby, how we doing? Good. How are you today, Phil? I'm doing awesome. We're here in the, the great city of Bowling Green doing an interview. So it's nice to get out of the office a little bit, venture into a new city. Yes, traveling. This is a nice travel day with it being a little icy this morning in, in March. So this is a little uh, unusual, I guess, for March. Yeah, I saw a funny video the other day. Uh, it was like December snow versus March snow and just how your attitude changes. That's There's a big switch. How and much you hate it. You get angry. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Angry about snow. But uh, we have another uh, second timer with us today, uh, which he's going to be inducted in the second timer club, like our CEO, Brian Ricker. So uh, we have Mr. Matt Gray with us. He's come to chat with everything about CBI scores, um, how to check them, what is a good score, uh, how to improve them, and much more. So Matt, welcome to the podcast. Good to be here, Phil. I look forward to being inducted into that second timer category. And yeah, let's... uh, Let's dive into some credit score stuff. You know, as lenders, I think we're all a a little bit of a credit score geek. You know, there's a little credit score nerd inside of all of us uh, that thinks this stuff is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Where, where the you know maybe maybe the common person doesn't even like to think about this type of stuff until it 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 comes as something that that they have to contend with, uh, whether that's uh, because they're trying to obtain credit. Um, or insurance, um, all myriads of things that are that are based on these credit scores nowadays. So, yeah, we've got some information to share here, and uh, it's yeah, kind of fun to be here. If for some people, you know, they're always it's this big surprise, you know, like because yes. don't, you don't check it that often, and, and you yeah. really should. But some people are like, "What is my score?" You know, like, "What is it?" You yes. know, they get yeah. they get really excited, yes. and, and it's and it's and yeah. it's usually a duel, you know, if right? You, yes, if you, exactly. If you have a a spouse, you know, it's it's always up on the credit pole and those numbers come out. Oh, I beat you. Yep. I got you this time. My wife did that to me. She's yes. like, one point, beat you. She got you. Yep. Yeah, she yeah. got me. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> yep, I fall into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anything, I can win it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah, and Matt, can, before we jump in, um, and, yeah. and you were on a previous podcast, so, um, but can you share what you, you work for Ad Credit? What do you do here? What's yeah. your, what's your specialty? And, and sure. Yeah. yeah. So my name is Matt Gray. Um, I work as a residential loan officer here at Ag Credit. Um, I work out of the, uh, Bowling Green branch office, um, and the Napoleon branch office. I always also cover the Mount Gilead, uh, branch office now. Yeah. I'm here to, um, offer all types of residential loans, uh, of any sort, uh, for for a number of different purposes to our membership, to future rural borrowers, um, anybody that we can fit into a category. Um, and we have a, a ton of, of mortgage products and programs. We're not so sp- specific that we have to just, you know, stay in rural areas or work with just specifically farmers. We can work with just about anybody. Um, so we're excited to uh, field those phone calls and inquiries about uh, residential stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and the nice yeah. thing, Matt, Matt's seasoned. He's been doing this a while. So, how long, how long you been doing lent loans? I've been in this business for twenty, close to twenty-one years. Okay. 
Uh, been here for uh, almost 16 years now. So yeah, I've been doing this for a while, seen a lot of changes over the years, whether that's policy, interest rates, uh, programs, economy changes, uh, all sorts of different mm-hmm. things, you know, the ebbs and flows of the business. So mm-hmm. seen a lot. So one of those things that probably hasn't changed so much is what we're going to talk about today is how much your credit score can impact um, really not just a home loan application, but really any loan that you are obtaining or even, you know, obtaining a credit card. And that and that's one thing I guess to point out is that that affects you once you start any type of credit. So, you know, if you get a credit card when you're 16 years old, you know, through your parents, or, you know, if you're 18 and you get one on your own, you know, it starts there. So, you know, you just, I, if we have younger listeners, I just want you to know that it starts when you get that first credit card and it can impact a lot of things that we're going to talk about today. So can you tell us how a credit score can impact your home loan application, approval? How, how does that work? Certainly. Um, well, I'll just start by saying credit scores are very important. More than I think the common person really understands, it affects so many things in life. And, and like you mentioned, hopefully the younger listeners are really paying attention because one wrong turn early in your credit life uh, can steer you in the wrong direction and be really hard to resurface from. Um, you know, that's the thing. But to your question, how does it affect your approval when you're, you know, submitting a loan application, whether that's for a house or an auto loan, et cetera? Well, it, if you want the best of the best, lowest interest rates, best terms, uh, things that are going to set you up for success and the lowest cost financial opportunity, then look no further than your credit score, first and foremost. You know, keep that thing healthy. There's many ways to do it, and there's a lot of things that go into it. And just, if I could say anything about how to, you know, how to navigate your credit score, especially when you're young and, and, and like what your outlook should be about your credit score, it should just become a student and, and of your own credit and just make sure it's a piece of your, of your life. Um, make sure you know what's going on at all times um, and just be um, prudent with your financial, the options that you have, the choices you make, and, and paying your bills, of course. And one of the questions I get a lot is, um, you know, if someone's not well-versed on credit scores is, you know, what is the range? You know, is, you know, does it go all the way from zero to what, you know, and, and, oh, right. and, and you get it pulled and, and sometimes right. I'll share the score and they're like, is that, is that good? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Right. So what is that range? Uh, so the range of credit scores from the lowest you could possibly have to the highest is 300 to 850. And you know, over the years, I've seen anything and everything in between uh, to the low end of that, to the top end of that. Within those score ranges, and to answer your question, you know, what's a good credit score? It's going to be a little bit different for, for everybody there. But like, just to, to, to quote the Equifax um, right from their website, 
you know, what they categorize as fair, good, very good, excellent, you know, 580 to 669 is going to be considered fair and what we would call subprime in the business. Okay. So meaning it's there, you know, it's got a pulse. It's, it, 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 it's an indication that there is some credit established in most cases, uh, but it's not, it's not the best. Okay. It, it could, it could use some work. 670 to 739 is considered good. Uh, 740 to 799, very good. And of course, 800 on up is considered an excellent credit score. So um, there's, there's, a, there's a vast range, as you can tell, um, and everybody falls into a different range and for different reasons. And I do have some additional information to share on that. But um, yeah, to, to answer your question, if you want to have a good credit score, I think the average in the U.S. over the last two years, an average credit score, just to give you a basis, is 714. So that should give you a little bit of a sure, yeah. of a measuring stick. Yeah, okay. That's good that that's a that's an average yeah. of 714 since that falls into the into the good. And I'd say yeah. that's probably where we see you know, a lot of our customers fall is in that 700s. Mm -hmm. I know some of the people, again, wanting to win at everything. It's like, okay, I'm at 800. How, how, how can I do better? (laughs) It's like, no, you're, you're, you're excellent. Um, can you, you know, share, I guess if you, how, how can people, you know, build, build up that credit? You know, how, if, you know, if you do have somebody who, is 22 years old and they're like, okay, you know, I want to, you know, buy some equipment, buy some land, or I want to, I'm, you know, I'm looking at buying my first home. How do, how do I build my credit if I've always done everything through cash? Sure. Um, well, there's, there's a lot of different ways to start your, your credit life, uh, as I like to say, and it's not an easy thing to do when you're young and you literally have zero credit because, um, there has to be a first financial institution or creditor that's that's willing to be that first for you. Mm-hmm. You know, especially if you have no credit whatsoever for them to base their their risk assessment uh, on for you. But I, you know, there there are some little tricks. I guess um, I've had conversations with borrowers over many years. Um, you know, how do you how do you get your children started? Well. I would say, bar none, the easiest way to get somebody started is to add add a, a son or a daughter to as a signer on a credit card, for example. They don't necessarily even have to physically have a card and be using that card, but it at least injects some credit life into their history, and, and, it, and it will provide them in, instant history. Mm-hmm. If I add a, a signer to a credit card I've had open for five years, it's going to show up as a five-year, you know, credit line for my son or my daughter. That's a quick way to insert a little bit of of a credit history and and maybe get some instant scores to pop up, and that will make additional credit inquiries a little bit easier for those younger younger people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the ways I think I when I was a youngster, um, you know, I was I think ending high school, and I think I got like a. $500 limit credit card. And I just, I used it for gas, you know, mm-hmm. super simple, you know, yes. and that kind of got me started on my credit journey, Yes, you know, and then I just, when I went to college, I just constantly used it and paid it off every month. And, you yep. know, yep. that got me it, down it, my, yeah. and that's what, that's 
kind of what we share. I mean, you guys are lenders as well, so that's kind of how we share it with people. You know, use something that makes sense, be budget-minded, use it for gas, use it for groceries, things that you need, you know, wants, not, not or, or needs, not haves. Yeah, those are all, those are all good ways to get started. But, you know, you got to start small. Um, yeah. and, if, and if you don't have uh, a parent um, or someone willing to do something like add you as a signer, then, then the best way for you to do something like that is to start small with a consumer credit card that has, you know, maybe they give you a $250 credit limit. You know, we, we, a lot of us has, have been there and done that. Yep. Um, and you have to start somewhere. So you just slowly start to build that and make sure um, the less credit you have established, the more important it becomes to take care of of it because you don't have other debts and other trade lines to pull you up out of a, of a missed payment or something of that nature. And I think, yeah, it's, it's kind of nice to have when you're young like that, it is, it's nice to have it and, and to have that low limit. It's a little bit of a guardrail, right? You know, that, that yeah. temptation's not there to be like, hmm, what can I go buy at Best Buy? You know, like mm-hmm. what expensive sound system or, you know? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. I only have $250 to spend. So, yeah, you know, right. You there's not much, there's not know, much there. The mistake can only go to $250. Right. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. Yep. Well, which will, li- which will lead into a couple, couple things I know we want to talk about here about credit scores. Um, uh, but while we're focusing on, you know, credit life being young and, and where your credit scores, what's, what's all involved there. Um, I printed out some interesting information about, you know, FICO scores by generation. So I thought this was interesting. So uh, in 2022, as of the end of 2022, Gen Z, which is 18 to 25 year olds, had an average FICO score of 679. Millennials, 26 to 41, 687 is the average credit score. Gen X, 42 to 57 years old, 706. Baby boomers, which is 58 to 76, 742. The silent generation is 77 plus, and 760 is the average credit score for those uh, th- that range. So, I mean, I think that's interesting. My opinion is it probably has less to do with the generation you are in than just a snapshot of where you you are at in your credit life. You know, the older you get, the wiser you become. Um, you don't make mistakes that maybe you made when you were younger, things of that nature. But I'm sure within these age ranges, these folks are spending their money and time on very different things as well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, the, the yeah. boom box or yeah, right. you know, yeah. the stereo system or whatever. So... Um, yeah, that so might, that, that, that might show my age. I don't yeah. know. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think I want to spend money on that anymore. But. <laughs> Do they even make boomboxes? Yeah, like, yeah, right. What? I was wondering about that too. Like, who would spend money on that? Well, I guess going along with talking about, you know, what's good um, credit scores and, you know, those, those averages are kind of surprising to me a little bit. I thought they would be a little bit higher for the millennials and Gen X, to be honest. Um, how how are the credit scores calculated then? You know, you've talked about building. Now, how is it calculated and what impacts the, that credit score? Yep, sure. Um, well, there's a number of things. Um, you know, if you just stop and, and, and think about, you know, what are people watching? You know, what are these creditors watching me do with my credit line and how I'm um, taking care of it and being responsible. It, it, it's things that, that are 
that will, would come to your mind pretty quickly, you know, but as a percentage of the whole, you know, the pie, you know, imagine a graph or a pie chart and with some percentages, you know, the big fish is the payment history. You know, just you have to make your payments. You have to make timely payments. So that's a big chunk of it. Secondly is um, the amount you owe on debt. So they're going to take that into consideration um, with revolving accounts, especially, you know, where you are being given a credit line, um, a maximum credit line on which you can you can borrow from, which are, you know, it's going to be credit cards, it's going to be home equity lines of credit, any type of revolving account that you can borrow from, pay back, and it remains open for you to use. The thing about that type of, of debt is you really want to watch where you keep that propor- proportional balance to your, to your limit. Because if you get over 30% of that limit they set for you, the credit score models are going to start to ding you points. And that's where you can run into trouble. Most people don't realize that. You know, and and I have that conversation with folks more than probably any other any other conversation about how to improve your credit scores. Why are my credit scores in this range? That's probably the biggest one that comes up. Um, but but to to fill out the rest of this pie here, um, the length of your credit history is fifteen percent. Uh, makes up fifteen percent of the total types of credit, meaning. Do you have a uh, you know three revolving accounts? Do you have two installment loans? Do you have a mortgage debt? Uh, all of those different types of debt hold different weight in terms of how they model and come up with your credit score. Um, so types of credit there would be ten percent of that pie, and then new credit, you know, establishing new credit would be another ten percent of that total. Um, so all of those different categories make up you know how they're looking at you as a credit risk. Mm-hmm. You know, let's just call you a credit risk because that's truly what your credit score is supposed to be indicative of. Yeah, so. it's interesting because you think about, you, you talked about revolving lines and, and somebody could be making payments on that, but they may be at 70% of their revolving balance where yes. it's like that's in your head, you're like, I'm doing the good thing. I'm making my payments and stuff. I'm making yes. maybe that minimum payment, but you're saying it may be because that balance, that, that sustained balance is higher than 30%. It's almost kind yes. of a negative impact on, on their credit score. Yes. And sometimes, and, and a lot of times it's uh, younger folks really have to watch out for that because when they open up it, it, early on, um, when they open up uh, credit cards, they're normally being given a pretty small credit limit. Okay. It doesn't take much to spend money these days. Um, and before you know it, you're, you know, let's say you, you're given a thousand dollar credit limit and all of a sudden you go buy something for $500, you're above that 30% mark. So you really got to watch, you know, where that bat, a lot of people don't even, um, realize where that credit limit is set at. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk to a lot of people where they, they have no idea. So it's a, not a bad idea to pull out your statement, look at where your limit is set at, and just a little trick that if you're you're always hovering over that 30% mark and it's not so much that you're being negligent with your credit, it's just so much that you didn't really realize it, a quick way to to remedy that might be to call up that creditor and say, "Hey, can we can we raise this limit, you know? You know, assess where you're at in your life. If you if you can 
you know, manage that debt and manage it well, I would probably say you might want to look at all your credit limits, see where they're set, see if they're appropriate for your spending. And maybe that's a quick way to divert that whole over 30% thing and get your credit a little bit better today. Or I think it's almost realizing, okay, am I spending outside of where I need to be too? Like you said, if it's appropriate for where you're at, maybe I am spending, putting too much on my credit card and not realizing, okay, I need to back it off just a, you know, a little bit yes. and just control my spending, yes. which, but like you said today, it's so mm-hmm. easy to, you know, you go to a grocery store and it's so easy, you know, to spend a lot more than what we've been used to. For sure. Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> when I go through the loan kind of process with, with, my borrowers, and if it's a new borrower or a younger borrower, we get to the, I get to the point where I explain the process, and one of those is obviously pulling credit. And they get one of the concerns on their face they've heard is, hey, if you pull this, is it going to shoot my credit score down? You know, <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I have that conversation a lot. Can you speak to that? Is, is there, when you pull it, does it affect your credit score? You and me both. I, I get that uh, probably on at least 50% of the people I work with, they, that's what I, I feel like that's what people believe. That's what they've been led to believe. Here's what we, we've been told. You have a window based on your credit pull type. And I'll, I'll dive into that here in just a minute. You have a window of anywhere from 14 to 45 days. Okay. So meaning if you're coming to one of our offices and applying for a mortgage loan, your credit is pulled. First and foremost, the credit bureaus know, based on the report type, that you're applying for a mortgage loan. It's a um, mortgage-driven credit report. So based on that pull type, you're going to be given a 14 to a 45-day window to, to shop. As a consumer, they, you're given that right without having to um, worry about any credit score, you know, decreases or anything of that nature. So, and 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 that's that's important because that's that's what this whole that's what all these consumer laws are all about. They're about trying to level the playing field for consumers and and put the advantage on their side versus lenders. So, you know, so. It's to your benefit to go out and shop. And you don't have to worry about anything else other than just making the correct and best decision for your situation. So that that's to answer that question. Now, I tell people, now, within that, you also don't want to just go crazy. You know, obviously, if you're, if you're going to every corner and every bank and you're Let's say you're striking out because you have a borderline credit score. You might throw up some red flags. You know, if you're just calling anybody to to see who's going to give you a shot, then don't be surprised if your credit score uh, goes down if you go to seven different lenders, you know, within a week, uh, you know, or call people on the phone, Rocket Mortgage, whatever. Um, so you, you got to be careful, but, but just... I, I tell people it's not really a tit for tat thing. It's not you get your credit score pulled today, your score goes down two points tomorrow. It doesn't. It just doesn't work like that. But a lot of people uh, do believe that that's uh, the way it works. Is there <clears throat> and the terminology hard pull and soft pull? Can you speak to that on on a CBI score? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yes. So a hard pull is going to be something 
where you actually applied for a loan. You know, uh, whether whether you're sitting in front of your dealer at the at the Chevy store, uh, you know, and talking about getting a loan through them to purchase your next vehicle, or whether you're sitting in front of uh, of one of us here at Ag Credit, um, those are hard pull inquiries. You know, we're we're, we're pulling a hard credit report on you, a full picture of, of what's going on. And those credit reports are, are driven and modeled differently depending on what you're doing. But if you're applying, if you're physically applying for something, you might as well just know that that's going to be a hard pull. Okay. Now, if you're getting stuff in the mail, pre-approved credit cards, or somebody's, uh, you know, rechecking your you know, and doing a credit assessment on you for because you're a current customer of theirs. All those things that kind of happen in the back end that you don't know about, those are considered soft pulls. A lot of times you won't even know about them and they're not going to affect you. They can't affect you. Yeah, there's, there's a difference, but the, but, the, but the main difference is if you're actively applying for a loan, is just consider it being a hard, a hard pull. Already have a nice low rate on your first mortgage loan? Looking for a way to use the equity in your home for improvements to your property without losing that nice low rate? Ag Credit offers a fixed rate, fixed payment second mortgage loan with a term of up to 10 years. Building a pole barn or making home improvements? For more information on where to get started, go to www.agcredit.net or call your local Ag Credit today. So, if we are not applying for a loan, if we are just trying to to see if our credit, you know, what is our credit score? If we've never if we've never even looked it up, how do we know if what's on there is correct? And also, where can we even go to find you know find a report? Yes. So every citizen in the United States is um, provided a free credit report, free of charge at annualcreditreport.com. And um, if you're like me, the first time I ever did this, I mean, it's been years ago, but I'm one of those guys that just doesn't trust websites. Um, And these days you have to be, you know, skeptical about different websites. I mean, there's, you can get your identity uh, stolen, things of that nature. So if you're, if you go to the Department of Commerce's website, uh, you will find a link to annualcreditreport.com. And then you'll know it's legit. You won't have to worry about uh, whether it's uh, uh, a fictitious website, um, anything like that. Because there are, there are several that are worded very similar. And you'll find if you click on the wrong one, they'll prompt to collect a payment from you for said um, credit report. And not that it's not a, a legit credit report. It may be, but if you want your free one, a legit credit report free of charge annually, you can have one annually, just go to that website and you should be able to pull up. Now I will, I will say this. Um, when you get on there to pull that, your free credit report will not include credit scores. It will only be credit yep. history. If you want your scores, the last time I checked anyway, you, you can pay for that on that website. But uh, by and large, this report is for you to fact check 
kind of reconcile. Yes, credit lines that you have established, whether they're open, whether they're closed, how they're reporting. It's it's more for that purpose and that purpose alone. So if there is something that shows up that you're like, I didn't do that. Mm -hmm. What what are your what can you do? Well, if if there are things that you would like to, I guess, oppose uh, with each individual bureau, because here here's what will happen sometimes. Not all three bureaus, you have Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, and three depositories. Although in a perfect world, all three of those report the exact identical information for a borrower, that's, that's not always what happens. Sometimes a creditor chooses to only report to Equifax or only Experian or only in TransUnion. And what happens is you, you end up with, an, with a discrepancy, you know, and, and you, as a result of those reporting differences, a lot of times that's where you'll end up with the varying scores. You know, your scores, your three scores should be similar, Okay, and if so, so if you're, you're going to have three scores on what we call tri merge credit report, and that's when we're pulling all three bureaus into one report, and you're going to have three different scores for Equifax, Experian, TransUnion, and typically, at least in our world, our mortgage lending world, we're going to use the middle score, the mid range score of those three, to uh, I guess grade you, mm-hmm. um, and use that score as the basis. At least the credit reports I've seen. I think um, if you're if you have questions on, hey, I don't I don't even know what this thing is like this account. Mm-hmm. Um, is there? I think I've seen phone numbers or something yes. at the bottom that you were like, hey, if you if I, this creditor, you can contact them directly here. You're not having to hunt and peck and try yes. to figure out who in the world this is. Yeah. And, yeah. So there's normally in our reports, there's normally a back page that has yep. all the creditors, their addresses, their phone numbers. Uh, now, granted, I've seen some that have bits and pieces of information yep. where it's still really hard to get a hold of them. Uh, collection agencies uh, sometimes are, are very vague. You know, they might have an address and that's about it. But normally in the back end of a credit report, you're going to find all the contact information for any creditor that has shown up, even if it's a past closed account. So yeah, so that, so a good way to get in touch though, if, if you're wanting to challenge maybe a, a miscalculated debt or something of that nature, each each depository, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, they're each, each, each of those three are going to have their own websites. And I know that you can challenge and open up cases through their websites you know, it's just as easy as going in and you have to plug in your information, obviously, to pull up your credit report through their website. But you can challenge if you don't want to call them direct, okay, which which you can do. Their phone numbers are on your credit reports as well. You can challenge them online. You can choose the trade line. You can choose it and put comments in there and submit it. And someone on the other end their job is to identify it and do some legwork, make some phone calls to verify if the account uh, from the creditor is being accurately reported. Okay, so if you want to dispute something, there's an easy way online to do it, but you can also always pick up the phone and call 800 numbers and get a hold of someone at TransUnion, Equifax, or Experian. 
Okay. So, and you brought up a good point as far as playing uh, what I call defense against your credit score. Are there, mm-hmm. are there way I've heard the term, I've heard the term like a freeze, putting a freeze on your yes. credit or um, I have a lot of guys when I do pull their credit, they'll text me and be like, Hey, did you pull my credit? You know, they, yeah. they, it sounds like they have self monitored. Yeah. Do you speak to those things at all Yeah, to yeah. kind of play defense against uh, fraudulent I, stuff? Yeah. I'm seeing that more and more where folks have credit freezes. Most of those folks will, let you know up front. And then there's going to be other folks that maybe got it free for some reason for a certain period of time. And, and you go to pull their credit report and it doesn't pull. And you got to, you got to call a borrower back and say, Hey, what's up? Do you have a credit freeze? What's, you know, I can't seem to get a copy of your report. Those are all good things. I'd never deter someone from doing that. Just know what you have uh, through what service it is, because I, I find so many times that people just really have no idea. Like, and those are the the surprising ones. Like, you know, you run into somebody who had no idea they had a credit freeze and for how long it's going to be on there. And at some point they're going to have to remove it if they want to apply for credit. But those are all good things to, to kind of defend yourself against, you know, some of the unscrupulous things that happens with identity theft and things of that nature. But yeah. And then you've got just as many that you know, they are alerted, you know, they get an email or a text or something like that when somebody pulls their credit, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I'd want to know. I want to touch on on something else here. You know, we talked about um, how all these credit reports are purpose-driven. You know, we have a mortgage lending credit report. The, when you go to purchase a vehicle, you know, they're going to pull a different type of, of, of credit report. Uh, same thing with revolving debt and credit card companies. They're going to pull probably an abbreviated type of report. I get this a lot, probably more than any other question nowadays with the emergence of uh, credit karma and and things like that on your phone. There's almost everybody I, I talk to, especially younger uh, applicants these days, they come in and, and they they have an idea what their credit score is already because they're constantly watching it on their phone you know, through whether it's a free app like Credit Karma or a paid app, I'm sure there's paid versions of it, but things like that, there's many different, many different ones. Um, But this is what I get a lot. I will pull a credit report, share the score information with folks, and they're always astonished that the scores that we come up with are very different than what they see on their, on their phone on Credit Karma. And so I'm having the conversation frequently um, to explain to them, well, all credit reports are not created equal. And the best way for me to, to, to explain this to you is that the type of credit report and score model that you're looking at is, is it's for your, your eyes only. It's a consumer credit type of report for your eyes only. We're looking at something very different where the weighted factors are different. When we pull a credit report, they're weighting different factors, you know, in that pie that we discussed. Okay. Um, and that's why our credit scores are different. If you ever get somebody in your office that has that type of question, um, I run into that a lot. Now, I think Credit Karma and that stuff's great, but what I tell people is, look, I don't stop using Credit Karma. It's still a great tool to watch and monitor for trends. Okay. So what I mean by that is if your trend on your credit karma is going up or going down, 
then there's a pretty good chance when I pull your credit report, that trend is probably going to yes, be there. Yeah. It's still going the same way. Now, are the scores going to be identical? They're not going to be, but at least you have some type of a, a finger on the pulse of your credit and you're not just, you know, living life not in the know about your credit. I think it's a great thing people are more in tune to their credit nowadays since it's such a an important thing. Nice. So, I guess with people being in tune to their credit, would somebody that, I guess I should ask this question a little different, is no credit versus bad credit, which one Which one would you say is, is better? Well, it, it depends what lender you're talking to there. But if you're, if you're talking to me, um, I will take um, a young person. Uh, well, it could, be a, it could be an older person too. I mean, I have older per- persons that have applied that have no credit rating either. Um, but I'll take no credit scores over bad credit scores any day of the week. And, and here's why. Most, in most cases... If you've got someone that is young, maybe they're just out of college, maybe they're just just entering their first major career, and they had no use for credit in their previous life, and they come in and they have zero credit, okay? They, maybe they always paid on cash basis, mom, dad helping them through college, whatever the case may be. We know enough through our background checks and employment history and um, current job you know, verification that we're going to be okay on that piece of it. Um, so in most cases, we're willing to, to, to take a chance on a credit risk like that versus looking at someone that's maybe the same age, maybe the same situation all the way around, yet they did have four years credit established and it's, it's, it's just a mess. You know, maybe just you can tell by just peeking at the credit history quickly Nothing was ever paid on time. You know, maybe they just have a bunch of bad debt that just has a bunch of ad, nothing but adverse credit history. So you can't expect a lender or someone who's, who's looking at the possibility of extending credit to you. That's all they, that's, that's usually all they know you by. Um, and all they're going to judge you by is your, is your past because that's all we can see. So if you have a bunch of bad debt, our main question is, how is this individual going to pay our debt back and are they capable? Mm-hmm. Are they responsible enough? And so that's why I'll take no credit over bad credit any day of the week. So let me, let me I guess, take this a little bit further then too on the bad credit piece. Let's say somebody had, you know, hadn't got a credit card like we were telling them, you know, went to college, had a lot of fun in college, mm-hmm. right? And then now, you know, they're wanting to settle down. They're wanting to, to um, you know, buy a home, you know, start a family, whatever. How long does that history stay on a credit report? You're talking bad history. Well, either or, good history or bad history. Um, it'll stay on there for a while. Um, I guess it depends how bad it is. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it depends. I've seen, I've seen adverse credit history stick around for years a lot of times, um, after seven years, if something's dormant, uh, closed years prior, it, it will it'll fall off. But the th- here's the thing about bad debt and debts that have gone bad is the way that the collection uh, accounts and collection agencies work nowadays. They resell that 
they resell that collection debt. And you could have a collection that was, let's say, for example, six years old, and the collection agency just never had any luck collecting on that debt. They will turn around and sell that collection to another debt collector, and that trade line is renewed. Mm. Okay, so um, I tell don't don't I tell people that are waiting for year seven or waiting for that milestone for things to fall off to just don't don't get your hopes up. Uh, be proactive. Try to clean it up yourself. Um, that way you can you can get over this because when you've got something out there on your credit report that you just let linger, it's always going to put a ceiling on what what you're capable of in terms of the type of uh, financial options you're going to be offered. Um, so yeah, um, I, I, I'm just not a, I do, I'm not very trusting of these collection agencies and how that whole um, dynamic works nowadays. Yeah. I, and I've had, when I've pulled credit before seen, you know, and typically if I see a collection account, it's nothing significant. Yeah. It, it's, you know, $150 yeah. or, or 50 bucks. Right. And, and usually when I bring it up to people, they're like, I, I paid that off a long time ago and it just never got taken off or yes. they had no idea about it and, and yep. they've never been notified. And so it's just a good, like, because it's like an anchor. It's just going to, yes. the longer you don't know about it, it's just going to continue to kind of drag you down. Yeah. Uh, and so it's always, again, it kind of reinforces, check, yeah. check it annually to make sure nothing sneaks on there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's another point though, that you make, um, when you have small debts like that, that just, you know, creep up and become collections, medical collections are probably the most one. common things we see. Yep. And you're right. You, you, what you see is they're just normally measly small, like this isn't even worth it. Right. Yeah. Um, but the thing most people don't do, you know, many people will, you know, fix that and pay those off. That's another thing with collection agencies is they're not great about following through. Once they get paid, something has to happen on that end too for your credit report to be cleaned up. Yeah. And so just make sure you're diligent in following through and watching your credit report to make sure those dates get updated and things get marked as being paid off and settled and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Otherwise, you're just leaving your fate up to someone else, mm-hmm. you know, sitting at a behind a desk at a collection agency. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, so all in all, I guess we just need to have everybody pay their debts and be very proactive um, with your credit and um, watch, you know, use that annualcreditreport.com and just um, watch what you guys are doing. Um, Matt, we really thank you for being on our podcast number, you know, your second time here. So, you know, that's awesome. Libby's going to, if you have your punch card, she's going to punch your your card. Well, I think Phil said if you get on here five times, you may get a jacket. Oh, wow. So there you wow. go. Yes. We'll challenge you to that, Matt. Okay. I'm up for it. <laughs> well, everybody, thanks for joining us today. Remember to subscribe and you will be notified every time there is a new episode of Ad Credit Set It. You can also visit us at adcredit.net and follow us on all social media platforms. See you next time on Ad Credit Set It. Thank you for listening to Ag Credit Said It. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. While you are there, leave us a review to help others find the show. Let's talk ag in between episodes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ag Credit. 
For more tips and resources, visit agcredit.net.